I was uh, in my late teens at the time, and I was single. I'd been dating a bit, but nothing really serious. One day, a friend of mine named Dan said, Robert, my girlfriend has a friend. We think we should go on a double date together. You've not met her, but I think you will really like her. She's out of town right now. She'll be back in a few weeks. What do you think? I thought about it for a moment. I said, mm, sure, why not? I've never been on a blind date before. Yeah. Now, you may remember in the 70s, there was no internet, social media, Instagram, Facebook, etc. The result, there was no way I could look up my blind date. Not to, not to spy on her, but just to at least see what on her she looked like. So I had no alternative but to spend the next two weeks in my imagination. And the more I imagined and the more I anticipated the blind date, the more perfect she became. <laughs> you know, I got really excited as time passed because after all, I was about to go out with a Farrah Fawcett-looking pre-med student. <laughs> At least that's what I envisioned in my mind. The anticipation was almost too much to handle. Well, long story short, the night arrived. She was nice enough and kind enough and relatively engaging in a strange kind of way. <laughs> and I knew within three minutes, okay, honestly, I knew within one minute that the date would be the first and the last all rolled up into one. Have you heard of oil and water, rain and fire, or having the stomach flu and having somebody ask you to come eat Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> the whole thing was yet another lesson that when we, are, when we are anticipating something, what we envision has a huge impact on how we live and feel before the event we're anticipating happens. Well, today we begin a four-week period of anticipation, Advent. And Advent is the season in which we anticipate Christmas and a time in which we're invited to ponder and think about and focus upon Jesus' second coming. And how we anticipate Christmas and Jesus' second coming can dramatically affect how we go through not only these next few weeks, but the days that follow. And so for a moment, let's explore our reading today from Luke's Gospel. We know Jesus was in Jerusalem. He was at the temple. And the temple was the site in which Jesus offered some of his edgiest teachings. So challenging, in fact, that a bunch of religious folks and leaders got really ticked off at what he was saying. Now, as these religious folks and religious leaders frequently challenged Jesus on his interpretation of Scripture. That's what they challenged him on, his interpretation of Scripture. And since they believed that Jesus was getting away from orthodox teachings, I can imagine these religious leaders saying something like, hey, Jesus, this is a Bible-based temple. What you are teaching is not in the Scriptures. And if it is, you are not saying what God intends. You're going to lead people away from God. Get back to the Scriptures, I can hear them saying. What's at the temple that Jesus, in our reading today, and in the verses that surround our reading, is trying to teach the people about three things. In essence, Jesus says in adapted form from one version of the Bible, do you see this temple? It's an amazing place, isn't it? Look at how massive the stones are and how permanent they look. 
well, one day this whole place will be gone. But before that happens, my friends, you will be arrested or hunted down and busted, and things will go from bad to worse. It'll be a dog-eat-dog time, and a lot of people are going to hate you because of me, and betrayal will be the name of the game. And Jesus continues, yes, one day this temple in Jerusalem will be attacked. And then one day it will seem like all hell is broken loose. Sun and stars and moon, the whole planet will be in chaos. Everything in a time of upheaval and then people will see me coming. And when that happens, stand on your feet, hold your heads high. Help is on the way. In the meantime, stay alert. I am coming again. So here in these verses in Luke, Jesus is trying to teach people that three things are going to happen. Jesus lets, his folk, lets folks and his followers know that they will experience a terrible time of persecution because of their faith. That happened precisely as Jesus said it would. Jesus also let the people know in this teaching that a vast army, in this case the Roman army, one day would come and destroy the temple and destruct the city of Jerusalem. That also happened precisely as Jesus said it would. And the third thing that Jesus does here in Luke is he shares the good news that he one day will come again and that everything will be set right once and for all. This has yet to happen. Well, two quick things as we think about our reading and these three things that Jesus talked about. And first, just briefly, some comments about the kingdom of God. Because we need to understand something about the kingdom of God if we're going to understand something about Jesus' second coming. I have spoken and preached a lot about the kingdom of God before, and I've also preached about the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God both mean the same thing. And the kingdom of God, or kingdom of heaven, is the space in which everything is as it should be. Love, wonder, joy, service, justice, no illness, no heartache, no tears, are just a few characteristics of the kingdom of God. And while the kingdom of God is obviously not here, we have been given glimpses of the kingdom of God. Jesus showed us what God's kingdom looks like through his actions and through his teachings. People in our world now who live their lives selflessly acting in love to serve other people give us a glimpse of what God's kingdom looks like. Wherever now in our world we find unselfishness, Love, healing, joy, service to others, kindness, compassion, humility. There we gain a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And when we get glimpses of God's kingdom, it's a reminder if we pay attention that God's kingdom shows up now all the time in bits and pieces. So God's kingdom is partly here, but clearly in no way, shape, or form is it fully here. So this relates, however, to Jesus' second coming. Jesus said he will come again. Jesus said that no one knows when he will come again. Jesus said back then that many people will run around proclaiming the end is near or Jesus is coming. And Jesus specifically said, never pay attention to anybody that says such things. 
No one knows when Christ will come again. But that when it does happen, it will be obvious to everybody on the planet. It will not be subtle. It will be evident and clear like a sprouting fig tree signals summer is near, as Jesus taught in the reading today. There will be no guessing as to what is happening. And the second coming of Jesus is the time in which the kingdom of God will become fully present and all will be well. That said, for just a few minutes, I'd like to spend some time and turn earlier to something else I spoke about, and that is the impact that anticipation has on our lives. You see, regardless of how conscious we are of it or not, every one of us here today have some expectations, have some things that we anticipate. And what we anticipate and what we expect influences, colors, and affects not only how we live, but what we are able to see happening all around us. Our expectations and anticipations direct what it is that we pay attention to each and every day. You might even say that what we see or notice or even point out to others are all in alignment with what it is that we anticipate and expect. Now, Scripture is full of stories that illustrate this point. A classic story from the Gospels. Remember, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Thomas was not present when Jesus showed up to his followers. Thomas did not believe when he heard that Jesus had shown up. But then Jesus shows up again, and this time when Thomas is present. But because Thomas expected and believed that Jesus was dead, At first, even though Jesus was right in front of him, he didn't believe it was Jesus who was right there. And then you remember the story of a fellow named Balaam in the Bible. He's the guy with the donkey. And one day, Balaam is riding his donkey along, and the donkey suddenly stops on the road, and Balaam begins to hit the donkey. The donkey then keeps going, when all of a sudden it stops again, and Balaam again strikes his donkey. Same thing happens a third time. And in the story, the donkey sees an angel which causes him to stop walking. Balaam cannot see the angel. But Balaam has the expectation that a donkey can do nothing more than carry a load. And because he had such low expectations of donkeys, he could not see that his poor donkey was trying to tell him something. A final quick example, you may remember two people named Abraham and Sarah. They were aged. They sensed God's presence and calling. They trusted God. They expected that God would do what God said he would do. So they left comfort and home and ventured out into the unknown. And throughout the years, they saw clear signs of God acting in their lives despite the fact that there were huge challenges. They saw God acting in their lives because they expected God to be acting in their lives. Well, as we begin a season of anticipation and expectation this Advent, I believe it's a great invitation for each of us to think about our expectations and how what we anticipate affects not only how we live, but what we can see. If we expect people to be rotten, we're going to see signs of rottenness all around us. If we expect that most people are good and care about other people, we're going to see signs of caring all around us. 
If we expect that we cannot make a difference in the life of another person, we won't see much, if anything, that our lives are impacting that person in any way. If we expect that life is all bad and just generally sucks, we're going to see signs of that all over the place. If we expect that life is a combination of joy and profound sorrow at the same time, the good with the bad, blessings and challenges, we'll find a ton of evidence for that and our perspective will broaden. If we expect that Christian faith and being part of a community of faith is game-changing, we'll see signs of that all over the place. If we expect that Jesus will come again one day, it will color how we see each day. And finally, if we expect that God is present and real and caring and loving and forgiving and healing and involved in our lives, we will see signs of God acting in our lives all the time. Speaking of signs, people who are around Jesus frequently said, Jesus, show us a sign. A sign that shows us that you are who you say you are. Show us a sign, Jesus, that healing happened. Show us a sign, Jesus, that new beginnings come to pass. Show us a sign that we can really expect a lot from you, Jesus. And Jesus would smile and say, take a look at what's happening all around you. There are signs everywhere. Now, when Jesus said this, he understood that our ability to see signs is completely dependent upon what we anticipate and expect. This whole thing is all about God's invitation to each of us to become clear on what we anticipate and expect from God. It's powerful stuff. If I'm in a terrible place in life, and I expect that Jesus is basically useless, I won't see much of any activity on God's part in my life. If, however, I have big expectations, and I anticipate God is very active in my life, even if I'm having sometimes a hard time seeing it, I'm much more likely to see those signs and see glimpses of God's presence. So it's my hope and prayer this Advent season that each of us will take some stock of what we anticipate, what we expect from God. What do we expect from God in the days and months ahead? What do we expect from God in the midst of our pain? What do we expect from God in the midst of our grief? What do we expect from God in the midst of our heartaches and challenges? What do we expect from God when everything is going well? And the purpose of asking these kinds of questions is not to beat ourselves up because our expectations we discover are astray, but rather to become aware of what it is we expect from God and anticipate, and to work with God and to pray with God and to ask God to bring our expectations and anticipations in alignment with what he has in mind for us. Scripture is full of things about expectations and verses about expectations and anticipations. One verse says, God says, and this is, refers to what we expect, God says, call to me and I will answer you. Do we expect that to be true? Do we expect that God is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask for 
or even think of as a possibility, as it says in Scripture? Do we believe and expect that we can draw near to God through prayer and that we will find help in times of need? I could go on and on and on, but I'll simply close by saying that I fervently pray that each of you and that me, that all of us, will learn to anticipate much from God and that we will see signs of God acting all over the place in the midst of whatever it is. Amen.